Welcome to Apologetics with Brian O'Connell, where in each episode, I answer difficult questions that confront Christianity. In our last episode, we looked at Judge Rutherford and Nathan Knorr. We saw that those two men made several prophecies that did not come true. We learned that Judge Rutherford prophesied that the patriarchs would return to the earth and live in San Diego, California in 1925, which never happened. We also learned that the next president of the Watchtower organization, a man by the name of Nathan Knorr, prophesied that the world was going to end in 1975. In fact, We saw that Mr. Knorr and the Jehovah's Witness leadership encouraged their members to sell their homes in order to devote their money and resources to the Watchtower ministry. Sadly, this too was another example of a failed prophecy by the Watchtower organization, an organization that claims to be the mouthpiece of God. In this episode, we're going to look at Frederick Franz. Frederick Franz served as the fourth president of the Watchtower organization, and he served as president from 1977 to 1992. Prior to becoming the organization's fourth president, Mr. Franz served as the organization's vice president. Something worthy to note about Frederick Franz is that he was seen as the Watchtower's leading theologian for over 60 years. Another important fact to note, is that like Charles Taze Russell, Frederick Franz also had problems in court. Now, when I say that Frederick Franz had problems in court, you might be tempted to think that legal problems shouldn't matter. However, let me explain why this particular court case is so important to our study on Jehovah's Witnesses. In 1954, when Frederick Franz was serving as the vice president of the Watchtower organization, He went to Scotland and gave testimony in a trial. So why does this matter? Well, let me give you some background regarding the court case. As I said, this trial took place in 1954 in Scotland. The reason for this legal battle was that Jehovah's Witnesses were being told that they needed to serve in the military, which was against their religious beliefs. In this court case, Watchtower officials attempted to prove that their organization represented a real religion and that their members were ministers and therefore should be exempt from serving in the military. During this trial, Frederick Franz represented the Watchtower organization and gave testimony during the case. The significance of this case is that during the trial, Frederick Franz had to admit under oath that he could not translate Hebrew. So why is this important? Well, if you recall, Frederick Franz was the Watchtower's leading theologian for over 60 years, and he was the most qualified member of the translation committee. And yet, here under oath, he's admitting that he couldn't translate Hebrew. I'm going to come back to this later. Something that I want to note about this court case is that each of the Jehovah's Witnesses that I've spoken to are completely unaware of this trial. In fact, years ago, my wife and I had several Jehovah's Witnesses come to our house. When I mentioned this court case, they told me that it was fake information that was floating around the internet. After they left, I had to wrestle with the fact that I had received that information off the internet and didn't know if what I told them was in fact true. 
I thought it was, but I hadn't verified the information. I thought that these Jehovah's Witnesses made a valid argument about the information that I had shared with them. So I decided to research this court case to see if I was spreading erroneous information. In my research, I ended up contacting the National Archives Department of the Government of Scotland, and they verified that the court case was real. In fact, they even sent me the trial transcripts on microfilm. After tracking down a microfilm reader at a local library, I was able to read and print the court transcripts. Before I get into the details of the trial, I want to point out that through my research, I found that the Watchtower organization also made reference to this court case in different publications. In case you're a Jehovah's Witness or just someone that wants to verify the accuracy of what I'm talking about, you can go to the Jehovah's Witness website, jw.org, and in the search bar type in Douglas Walsh. Mention of this court case is found on pages 329 through 332 of the June 1st 1955 edition of the Watchtower magazine. In fact, on pages 329 and 330, they write, quote, The case was begun when, in spite of previous unsuccessful attempts to have the courts recognize the claims of Jehovah's Witnesses, the president of the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society directed the position to be tested again. An action for declarator was brought in Scotland that asked the court of session to declare that Douglas Walsh was a regular minister because of his appointment as a pioneer and also because of his appointment as a congregation servant. The case became known as Walsh v. the Lord Advocate, end quote. This court case is also mentioned on page 133 of the 1973 yearbook, which is another Watchtower publication. In this publication, they also write about the trial and even give some more insight into who Douglas Walsh was. They wrote the following on page 133, quote, In 1953, it was determined that a test case should be prepared to establish whether the society was a religious organization and whether it had regular ministers. The purpose was to meet the unfair situation whereby the conscription laws providing exemption for regular ministers of religion were being construed in such a manner as to deny Jehovah's Witnesses the benefit of such laws. The man selected had to meet many different qualifications. Personal, ministerial, official, narrow age limit, and of course, he had to be one who had been called upon to register for national service. Douglas Walsh of Dumbarton, Scotland, was eventually chosen, he being both a pioneer and a congregation overseer. By the close of 1953, plans were completed and strategy laid for the test case in Scotland. The aim was to determine legally whether Jehovah's Witnesses were a religious organization and whether pioneer and congregation overseer Douglas Walsh was a regular minister. In January 1954, a preliminary hearing in Edinburgh determined that Walsh had a relevant case, and Lord Strachan ordered it to go to proof. The case was set down for November 23, 1954. The Watchtower Society's vice president, F.W. Franz, from the Brooklyn headquarters, was first to go into the witness box. End quote. It's clear from both of these Watchtower publications that Douglas Walsh was a real person, 
and that this trial did in fact take place. Not only that, but these publications make it clear that Frederick Franz provided testimony during the court case. The court case is extremely revealing, so we'll come back to it. But first, I want to talk about the other presidents of the Watchtower organization. Since Frederick Franz, there have been three other Watchtower presidents. Milton Hinchel, president from 1992 to 2000. Don Adams, president from 2000 to 2014. And lastly, their current president, Robert Serenko, who became president in 2014. Nothing significant has taken place during the tenure of these men. That being said, I want to go back to the previous presidents and focus on the prophecies that they made. Now, you may be wondering why it's important to look at these prophecies made by these men. The reason is because, as mentioned at the beginning of this series, the Watchtower organization claims to be the mouthpiece of God. When a person, or organization in this case, claims to be the mouthpiece of God, we need to determine whether or not their claims are true. In fact, as we saw in one of our previous episodes on Mormonism, 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 tells us to not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. In this verse, we are warned that there will be false prophets. Because of this, we're told to test every spirit. Let's now test these spirits to see if these prophecies came from true prophets of God. If this is the first episode that you've listened to, you may be asking yourself, how can you tell if someone is a true prophet or a false prophet? For those of you that listened to the series I did on Mormonism, you'll recall that in the book of Deuteronomy, God gives us the qualifications for being a prophet of God, which we can still use today. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 to 22, God, speaking through Moses, says the following, But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, How will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, If the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. In other words, the mark of a true prophet of God is that all prophecies come true. However, the mark of a false prophet is that prophecies don't come true even if it's only one prophecy that doesn't come true. With this understanding, let's now look at different prophecies that Watchtower leaders made to see if they were prophets of God. When looking at Mormonism, I presented several failed prophecies that Joseph Smith made. However, even though there are many prophecies that I could discuss, since I'll be addressing several different people, I'm only going to present one prophecy for each person that I address which will be sufficient for making my point. The first prophecy that I want to look at is a prophecy made by Charles Taze Russell that non-believers or Gentiles would come to an end in 1914. In fact, in 1902, Charles Taze Russell published Volume 2 of his Millennial Dawn, The Time is at Hand, 
Bible study series. On page 99, he wrote, quote, In view of this strong Bible evidence concerning the times of the Gentiles, we consider it an established truth that the final end of the kingdoms of this world and the full establishment of the kingdom of God will be accomplished by the end of A.D. 1914. Then the prayer of the church, ever since her Lord took his departure, thy kingdom come, will be answered, and under that wise and just administration, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord, with knowledge and righteousness and peace. And the will of God shall be done on earth as it is done in heaven. End quote. As you know, this prophecy didn't come true. However, instead of admitting that they were wrong, the Watchtower claimed that their understanding had changed. In fact, in court, Frederick Franz was asked about this particular prophecy, and they asked him why the Watchtower organization had modified its views in various respects as time passed. He was also asked why after it had been the duty of Jehovah's Witnesses to believe Charles Taze Russell's prophecy that the end of the time of the Gentiles would be in October 1914, the Watchtower organization would change its view on this prophecy. In response to these questions, Frederick Franz said the following, quote, When we reached the date 1914 and the world developments went forward, we saw that we had not understood some of the prophecies correctly. Therefore, we saw that there was a need for a review of our beliefs respecting how the prophecies would be fulfilled, end quote. Whenever I've spoken to Jehovah's Witnesses, they argue that this is not a failed prophecy. Instead, they claim, like Frederick Franz did in court, that the Watchtower's understanding of this prophecy has just changed. However, you can't have a different understanding about the end of the world or the end of the time of the Gentiles is going to be in 1914. Those statements are very clear. Not only that, but through numerous Watchtower publications, they repeated this message over and over and told their members to prepare for the end of the Gentiles. For the Watchtower organization and its leaders to simply brush off this failed prophecy and claim that it isn't a failed prophecy, but rather a failed understanding of the prophecy, is absurd. Another way that the Watchtower organization and Jehovah's Witnesses attempt to respond to the claim of Charles Taze Russell being a false prophet is to argue that the Watchtower organization never viewed Charles Taze Russell as a prophet. However, in making such claims, they are ignoring their own publications. In fact, on page 297 of the October 1st, 1919 edition of the Watchtower magazine, the Watchtower organization claims that Charles Taze Russell was, and I quote, one of God's great reformers and prophets, end quote. This quote from the Watchtower magazine makes it clear that the Watchtower organization and Jehovah's Witnesses viewed Charles Taze Russell as a prophet of God. But was he? Before I answer this question, I want to look at the next president, Judge Rutherford, and the prophecies he made. As I mentioned in an earlier episode, in 1920, Judge Rutherford prophesied that the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 
and the prophets were going to return to earth in 1925. More than that, he prophesied that they would return to earth in sunny San Diego, California. In court in 1954, Frederick Franz was asked about the mansion that the Watchtower organization had purchased for the return of the patriarchs. The following comes from the court records I received from Scotland's National Archives Department. Quote, Question. Do you still maintain a property known as Beth Serene in San Diego, California? Answer. No. Question. Beth Serene was, was it not, a mansion in San Diego kept for the second coming of some of the prophets? Answer. Kept for the resurrected prophets. Question. Namely, who? Answer. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, and so on. Daniel. Question. Was that in the days of Judge Rutherford or Pastor Russell? Answer. No, that was in the days of Judge Rutherford. Question. Were the whole body of witnesses instructed to accept that the mansion was being kept for that purpose? Answer. Yes. Question. What has come of the mansion? Answer. It has been sold. Question. Why? Answer. Because it was there, and the prophets had not yet come back to occupy it, to make use of it, and the society had no use for it at the time. It was in charge of a caretaker, and it was causing expense, and our understanding of the scriptures opened up more and more concerning the princes, which will include those prophets. And so the property was sold as serving no present purpose. Question. Am I right that it was at the time forecast that in 1925, Abraham and other prophets would come back to earth? Answer. They were expected to come back approximately then. Question. But they did not come? Answer. No. Question. It was published, was it not, to the body of Jehovah's Witnesses that that was to be expected in 1925? Answer. Yes. Question. But that was wrong? Answer. Yes. And Judge Rutherford admitted it to the headquarters. End quote. So what's the significance of this testimony by Frederick Franz? Why am I sharing this court transcript with you? The significance of this testimony and the reason I'm sharing it with you is that we just saw that under oath, Frederick Franz had to admit that Judge Rutherford made a false prophecy. Moving on from Judge Rutherford, the next prophecy that I want to look at is from Nathan Knorr, the third president of the Watchtower organization. Before I address the prophecy that Nathan Knorr made, I want to point out that in 1968, the Watchtower organization eventually did admit to their members that false prophecies had been made. For example, on page 23 of their October 8, 1968 edition of their Awake magazine, they wrote the following, quote, True, there have been those in times past who predicted an end to the world, even announcing a specific date, yet nothing happened. The end did not come. They were guilty of false prophesying. Why? What was missing? Missing from such people were God's truths and the evidence that he was guiding and using them. End quote. What's interesting about this quote 
is that it was made in 1968 under the presidency of Nathan Knorr, the third president of the Watchtower organization. The significance of this quote is that in this quote, the Watchtower is claiming that the previous presidents are false prophets. Those previous presidents that made false prophecies were Charles Taze Russell, the founder of the Watchtower organization and the first president, and Judge Rutherford, the second president of the Watchtower organization. If you think about it, this quote has destroyed the foundation of the Watchtower organization. In fact, the Watchtower organization has just admitted that the origin or birth of their organization is based on false prophets. What's even more amazing is that two months before this Awake magazine was published, stating that the first two Watchtower presidents were false prophets, Nathan Knorr, the third president, prophesied in August of 1968 that the world was going to end in 1975. In fact, if you recall, I pointed out in an earlier episode that the Watchtower organization made it clear to their members that this prophecy was a reality that would come true soon. Sadly, as I pointed out, they even told their members not to go to college or pursue careers because the world was going to end soon. I also pointed out that the Watchtower organization was praising their members for selling their homes and devoting their money and time towards kingdom service and encouraging others to do the same. As I pointed out in an earlier episode, when 1975 came and went, showing that this too was another failed Watchtower prophecy, not only did the Watchtower leadership not apologize to its members, but on page 440 of their July 15, 1976 edition of the Watchtower magazine, they even blamed their members for being naive and foolish. I also pointed out that on page 441 of the July 15, 1976 edition of the Watchtower, they told their members that they needed to stop being disappointed and ultimately to get over it. So, why am I making such a huge deal about the prophecies that the Watchtower leaders made? So what if these men predicted something that didn't come true? Does it really matter? Well, yes, it does matter. The reason this matters so much is because of what these men and the Watchtower organization claim about themselves. If you recall from an earlier episode dealing with our study on Jehovah's Witness, the Watchtower organization claims to hold a prophetic office and to be the mouthpiece of God. In fact, as I've already pointed out, on page 439 of the July 15, 1960 edition of the Watchtower, the Watchtower organization claims that they are God's sole collective channel for the flow of biblical truth to men on earth. However, from looking at these many failed prophecies, it's clear that these men were false prophets, and therefore, so is the Watchtower organization. Sadly, the Watchtower and its followers, Jehovah's Witnesses, are not phased by these false prophecies, and they claim that their organization is just learning. The problem with this is that God tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 20 to 22, that if someone claims to be a prophet of God, if those prophecies do not come true, they are a false prophet. In other words, you are not supposed to listen to them. 
Jehovah's Witnesses should not be listening to the leadership of the Watchtower organization. They should be fleeing that organization. Moving on from the failed prophecies of the Watchtower and his presidents, I now want us to turn our attention to the New World Translation. However, for the sake of time, we'll have to look at the New World Translation in our next episode. That's all the time that we have for today. Come back next time as we look at the Bible of the Watchtower Organization. What is it and why does it matter? Come back next time to find out. God bless.